0: Read about it. Extra, please grab young and Extra, extra. Read all about it Life...
1: News has changed a lot of the last 100 years. Good
2: evening and
1: welcome to television.
2: Good morning, James Dibble in Sydney. Welcome to the ABC News in colour.
1: These days, you're less likely to hear the introduction to the nightly bulletin, and more likely to hear... Our phones are our most likely source of information these days. The digital disruption of the news media industry could hardly have been more dramatic. Newspapers that have existed for over a hundred years are closing down all over the country. That is nowhere more true than in our regions local news is a lifeline to the health and stability of any community, but now more than ever, those outlets are under threat. What's more, whether country or city, what we perceive as news, as truth, is undergoing an existential transformation. On today's episode, looking at the future of news in a digital world.
3: I think for all smaller communities to lose their major media voice, it would be devastating.
0: You will find people increasingly going to social media to get information, and that won't necessarily be information that is fact-checked, that is useful for making decisions about your life.
2: You know, that's a model of journalism that has served the public reasonably well for about 120-odd years, 140-odd years. I think we're seeing that breaking down. I'm Dan Butler. Welcome to Think
1: Digital Futures. Traditional news has been in a state of decline for almost two decades, but now, as with so many other areas of life, it's really struggling.
2: I think we're seeing a a once-in-a-generation shakeout of uh, regional news. Peter Frey is the managing
1: editor of Crikey News and worked with the University of Technology's Centre for Media Transition on their report, Regional News Media. He's seen the precipitous decline that regional news outlets have faced, especially this year. We've been seeing it for
2: quite some time. You know, over the last 5, 10, even 15 years, we've seen consolidation. And we've seen, of course, the business model being replaced by, you know, the digital model. And we we all know that print dollars turn into digital cents. In fact, they turn into less than digital cents. The business model of newspapers
1: used to be based on the advertising they would carry alongside their headlines. Placing an ad in the Sydney Morning Herald or the West Australian 20 years ago, was guaranteed to catch a lot of eyes. With the advent of social media and other digital platforms, people migrated
2: away from traditional news forms. With them migrated the advertising money. So there was always this pressure coming in on regional news. And then what we've really seen in the last, you know, six months, really, I think, is the this COVID crisis in a way has uh, stripped out what advertising there was, and and put so much pressure on costs that uh, we're now seeing. Quite a rapid decline.
0: Multiple dozens and dozens of print newspapers in regional um, areas and also local newspapers falling over and either moving to a digital-only platform or disappearing altogether.
1: That's Saffron Howden. She's the co-founder of Crinkling News and an advocate for regional outlets. This year, we've seen devastating closures. The Australian Newsroom Mapping Project has been tracking such changes in the media landscape. Since March alone, there's been over 200 losses.
0: You're much more likely to see that in communities that were serviced, say, by a weekly newspaper. That has been mostly affected. We've also seen publications that were suspended and some are coming back online now that they feel they can, from a business point of view, that they can sustain that. Um, but we've definitely seen the the loss, you know, in some cases, probably forever, of, of some um, local newspapers.
1: With the slow and steady decline of regional publications exacerbated by this year's crisis, there's a phenomenon occurring more and more here in Australia. It's a problem that's already far advanced in the US, but one we now need to start addressing here at home.
0: Absolutely. So um, th- that trend had already started, the trend towards news deserts. A news desert is basically an area that is not serviced by any local news outlet
1: this doesn't mean they don't receive news there are a few places the abc doesn't broadcast to but there isn't a local outlet with local news
0: we'd already identified about 16 local government areas across australia that were already news deserts prior to the pandemic so literally no local news outlet So when the dust settles, it will be interesting to see just how many news deserts we have now compared to the the 16 we had at the beginning of the year.
1: In May alone, News Corp announced it would be closing more than 125 Australian print newspapers. While many of them disappeared entirely, News Corp made much of transitioning some of them to digital formats. But there are some nasty details that such a switch tends to involve.
0: What is coming with um, the move to digital is fewer journalism staff. Um, So we've seen a lot of job losses, obviously, as well. Um, And we're also seeing a centralisation of news where those publications or those mastheads are owned by the larger media companies. So while there have been quite a lot of statements made about having journalists embedded in the local area, um, there will inevitably be centralization. So where news is being produced somewhere far away from the local audience for that publication. And I think this is the real worry that we have to look at. The closure of publications altogether, creating those news deserts, and then publications that have a local masthead, but don't actually have much local coverage of news.
1: There's a vicious cycle that takes place here. Once these pseudo-local publications start publishing less or no local news, with a very dangerous result...
0: Once you see the decline in coverage of local news, you will find people increasingly going to social media and online forums to get information. And that won't necessarily be information that is fact-checked, that is useful for making decisions about your life, you're much more likely to be taken in by rumours, by misinformation, by disinformation. And this is, of course, why regional and local journalism matters so much, because you need those professional journalists writing professional stories, asking professional questions, fact-checking stuff, and this is how you know you can rely on that information.
1: It's not just local news that's important in regional areas. It's the physical paper itself print media holds a special place in the hearts of regional readers and plays a significant role.
0: I think the print newspaper remains in a lot of regional communities a real, um, you know, centre point for the communities, even if it isn't read by every single member of the community. Um, it's, It's something that sort of brings people together. They know, you know, a whole lot of local information is packed together in one place.
1: In this way, local newspapers fill a function that their metropolitan counterparts simply do not. Mastheads that had served communities for over a 100 years acted as anchors. With the News Corp closures, scores of those anchors disappeared.
0: If you've got outside ownership, there's much less of a commitment to the masthead or the publication. And so some of these new publications that we've seen coming up, which are owned by the community, I think it's really interesting to see just how much... The local community is rallying around them and feel like, you know, they have some ownership of that.
1: What new publications, you might ask? Well, it turns out they do exist. So in an age of dying regional news, what's it like to run a local publication written by locals, for locals?
3: Yes, it's, it's really... That term we now use, hyperlocal. It's absolutely hyperlocal. In fact, it probably covers pretty much just the boundaries of Warnable and the occasional uh, dalliance into our, for what a bit of a word, suburbs, but yeah, pretty much just Warrnambool.
1: This is Carol Altman. She's the founder, publisher, and journalist of The Terrier in Wannamble, regional Victoria.
3: When I was working in Adelaide, a couple of the Adelaide city councillors gave me that nickname because they said, once you latch on to something, Carol, you do not let go. And I think it's true.
1: (laughs) Carol got her start in Wenamble, where she grew up. It's true of many of our best journalists that they started in regional areas, cutting their teeth on local issues that matter to their readers, or should matter to them. She went on to work for the country's biggest newspapers in major cities, holding the powerful to account. But when Carol returned to her hometown, things had changed.
3: I found that the coverage of the Warrnambool City Council was far less than what it used to be when I was a cadet here back in the 80s. It was um, open to a lot of scrutiny and, and, and robust discussion. So when I came back and I realised that that sort of scrutiny wasn't happening, that really is what motivated me to um, to start asking questions about what our civic leaders were doing. And it turned out there was a real thirst ...for that sort of information, which is where the Terrier really got its start.
1: Machinations, corruption and injustice don't stop at city borders. In fact, local councils can be a pretty venal place. When I rang Carol, she was busy uncovering a local council scandal.
3: As we speak, last night there was a vote at our council, uh, a 4-3 vote to remove the CEO... ...and it was all done behind closed doors... Uh, nobody was told the reasons for it. Um, so there's this sort of, a, I guess you might say, a soft coup happening here, which is going to have enormous repercussions for our city. As you know, Dan, we've got, um, you know, we're have got, know, we in the middle of a pandemic and it's having an enormous impact on, on small towns like ours uh, for the economy. So people are worried about what this all means in terms of payouts, in terms of momentum, uh, in terms of our reputation. It's, it's the light, light of the long knives last night and the timing could not have been worse, really.
1: We might picture a Bill Heslop or Bob Jelly bumbling local councillors with aspirations above their station, but the truth is local councils are now significant financial entities. In our freshly created news deserts, there's fertile ground for corruption.
3: The kind of issues and budgets and projects and things that they now manage, even in a regional area, are significant. And our own council here manages a budget of around about $80 which is a lot of money. And there's... Various projects that come and go through here where uh, scrutiny is required because of all sorts of reasons, conflict of interest, uh, the finances involved, the people involved. And that's the sort of thing that unfortunately has uh, the scrutiny that has been lacking somewhat. And as I said, the Terrier seems to be finding a niche there.
1: Carol believes wholeheartedly in the importance of local regional news. Thankfully, she was able to get the Terrier started with few resources. This is the upside of the digital age no longer requires a huge investment of capital, buying and running an expensive press mill to get started.
3: What I'm trying to do is, is show that you can still have a lively, um, vibrant news source um, from the front room of your house, which is how we can do things these days uh, if we have the support of readers and listeners, etc., to, uh, to help us with that.
1: But Carol, just like the biggest news outlets in the country, is also working out exactly how to get that support. So far, she's been working off a tip jar model with readers donating when they wished.
3: If I'm doing a good job, let me know and uh, tip whatever you could afford, and that means you are keeping the stories coming. And that so far has worked really well to establish a, a following. And funnily enough, I guess, like a lot of people, just before the virus hit, I was just thinking of formalizing that a little bit more and saying, okay. You now know what I do, what sort of stories you receive. Perhaps I can formalise that a bit more and say, look, I need X amount of people to follow me for X amount of time and that will give me a, sort of a, a, a bit more of a guaranteed income base.
1: Carol's done surprisingly well with that model, a testament to what she's given the community with her work. But it can be damn hard getting people to open their wallets,
2: all the more so in the regions. You know, they're, they're scraping for every dollar, bushfires, drought, you know, all the things that affect the regions much more acutely than they do the city. In other words, not as a diversified economy as we have in the city. You see all these things having a real major flow onto the capacity of people to advertise, the capacity of people to spend, and the willingness of people to put their hand in the pocket and buy something that's called the news. Peter and the Centre for Media Transition Report found that this is also partly due to a unique regional problem. There's a kind of paradox uh, that uh, regional n- journalists, regional news journalists see themselves and are seen as very much part of the community, which is great because you go, wow, if you're if you wanted, well, a great thing to be, you know, a journalist that's wanted. Well, it's rare in itself, but, you know. Uh, but the paradox part of that is that they're seeing uh, that journalism, that the local paper or the local radio station, uh, even the local TV station is, o- is always going to be there. It's also a bit like, well, the pub on the corner is always going to be there. And so people take it for granted. Outlets
1: like the Terrier speak up for local citizens and local issues. The government recently recognised both the importance of such local media and the dire state they're in by announcing $50 million worth of grants, the PING initiative, public interest news gathering. Carol was lucky enough to receive one. Saffron says it's not enough. We need a total rethink about the role of news.
0: I think we need to start looking at news as a really essential service. We've seen how important news is um, around the time the bushfires. People rely on local local news coverage to get really vital information about what's going on. The same thing during the pa- pandemic, you need local, reliable information about you know your local COVID clinic or testing clinic or you know where you can go to get something and get something done and which hospital to go to. Looking at news as an essential service rather than something that requires a new different business model is is quite a different way to the way we look at news at the moment and I think a 50 million dollar money from the government spread around multiple news outlets is not going to cut it. Um, I think we're looking at a much bigger crisis in news than that. I think we need to start looking particularly for regional and local news at a not-for-profit model and how we can support that.
1: But until then, we're still to work out how to counter the influence of Google and Facebook hoovering up all the advertising dollars. Here we see a worrying development. The key word now for newsrooms is their readers'
2: passions. This is in a sense, it's not a, new, it's not a new idea, but in a digital world, of course, it's amplified many times over. Um, I, I think there is this... Um, Balance that can be had. So you need to create a, an atmosphere where there can be public debate. Yes, I think journalism can advocate for the all sorts of things. There's lots of great examples of journalists as advocate. Um, but at the same time, I think you need to be journalists as journalists as well, and be prepared to challenge people. Because I think if we just give what people want to hear in their own bubble, then you are really just pandering to the likes of social, right? And that's basically what social is about—just ascribing to the people that reflect your worldview.
1: Though our Facebook feeds would suggest otherwise, news isn't always something that we want
2: to read, or that we agree with. I mean, I think this kind of goes to a really big question, is whether uh, you think that um, journalism, not journalism alone, but journalism has a role to play in changing things, that journalism is inherently progressive, small p progressive, not necessarily, you know, left or right, but a progressive action. I mean, I, I fundamentally believe that journalism is a progressive action, that it seeks to highlight bad things to enable change. Now, maybe I'm naive, but certainly if all you're doing is, is saying, well, this is bad, this person's bad, they're villains, they're bad people, you know, get outraged about that, then you're not actually being progressive at all. You're being reduc- reductive. And, um, and to me, that's not what journalism is about.
1: News is changing what counts as news, who makes it and who consumes it, are all undergoing significant
2: change. The, one of the fundamental uh, concepts of uh, journalism and news, what makes news, is, is eroding. And that concept is the idea that the news is from nowhere. And there's this sort of idea that it's kind of almost value-free. Uh, of course, it is nonsense that the news is from nowhere... It is nonsense that journalists are not val- do not bring their own values to the collection of that news. The truth of course, is that uh, journalists forever have been basically making those choices and the other thing that you know we should say is of course, and as is playing out very rapidly is this kind of the voices that don 't get heard, not just gender but you know sexuality, gender. Diversity, I think diversity, all forms of diversity, you know. So, who gets to make the news uh, is a really burning, burning question. There's significant
1: change on the horizon. Nobody really knows what the future of news will look like in a digital age. But Carol is upbeat.
3: You know, I don't know whether there's going to be a swing back where people suddenly realise, oh, hang on a minute, we actually, we need our our journalists, you know, we need media, but I'm sort of hoping it's like LP Records, there'll be a revival. We're cool again, you know. (laughs) But, um, look, I think, you know, for me it's just about, I just keep hanging in there because I think, look, as long as I can hang in there and just show that something's possible, how long, I don't know long-term, what it all means, but, boy, for me it's just hanging in there and keeping going as long as I can.